Claudia Rodriguez. She is an El Paso City Council member. Claudia, good of you to be with us. As you heard Bill Malugin reported just a moment ago, people continue to stream across the border. These pictures from Sunday night in El Paso, a group that numbered nearly 2,000 just simply walked across the Rio Grande and into the city. According to your deputy mayor, Mario Diagostino, 15 to 1,700 people are being released into the city of El Paso every day. You're there on the ground. What is the effect on the city? What kind of stress is it under? And what's the effect on the residents? Hi, thank you for having me. And yes, you know, I've been letting people know that we have this problem. It's only been getting progressively worse. Um, Title 42 is set to expire on December 21st. I don't believe we're prepared for it. I have called on the mayor numerous times. I'm now calling on the county judge to both step up and declare a disaster declaration because this is unsustainable. This is not safe for the community of El Paso. This is not safe for the migrants. And it is of utmost urgency that we have this emergency declared and that we have all the resources necessary to be able to handle this influx of migrants. Uh, the mayor of El Paso is Oscar Leeser. He has so far refused to declare an emergency or a disaster. He says that El Paso was working effectively with federal and state officials to address this. And listen to what Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, said yesterday when she was asked what the Biden administration was prepared to do when Title 42 comes off and whether it's ready to deal with the influx. Listen to this. What Americans should know is that the president uh, has done uh, has done the work uh, to deal with what we're seeing at the border since day one. So the president has done the work, and this is an administration that has taken this very, very seriously. What do you think of what she said there, Claudia? That is insulting. There's no work being done here. We have been given money. We have been promised money. We have been using money from our general fund. There is nothing being done here in El Paso. It's only going to get worse. We had four migrants that were ran over, including a 12-year-old little girl. This is really bad. It's really unsustainable. They're not doing anything to help us. Hey, it's Christmas week. Christmas on Sunday. I think most of you probably know that. I'm sure you're going as insane as everybody else. I got to tell you, this time of year, as beautiful as it is, as much as I love Christmas lights and um, the shopping and the music and seeing the kids so excited and everything. At the same time, where we're supposed to be the happiest and the nicest to each other, at least here in South Florida, the traffic is horrendous. People are in a rush. There's accidents everywhere and everybody's just a little meaner than they usually are. So it kind of kills your Christmas vibe a little bit, but... It is Christmas week. I won't let it get me down too much. Don't let it get you down too much. Uh, if you haven't done all your shopping, you have a limited number of days going forward from this point to do it. You might want to get on top of that. And uh, beyond that, you know, beginning of a new week. As you just heard, El Paso, our border, still being overrun. It hasn't stopped. Um, it has finally, the uh, El Paso mayor has declared a state of emergency as the border crossings are just overwhelming uh, law enforcement personnel. They just can't keep up with it. So uh, Mayor Oscar Alesso announced a state of emergency during a press conference on Saturday saying that he could no longer keep his residents or law enforcement agents safe. Uh, he said, uh, I quote from, I said from the beginning that I would call it when I felt that either our asylum seekers or community were not safe. And we are at that point. There's a big concern 
They're having, at the moment, 2,000 people crossing daily from what is being told, anywhere between 1,500 and 2,000. Now that Title 42 is set to uh, be lifted on the 21st of December, uh, he is concerned that that number will inflate itself and be somewhere between three to 6,000 illegal migrants crossing into El Paso daily. So if you live in Texas, yeah, I mean, there has to come a point where it doesn't matter what your, your political uh, aisle is. It has to come a point where you guys just say enough is enough. You know, that's, it's not safe. You, you know, on this program, I say all the time how it's not just not safe for the people here in America, but it's not safe for the migrants. Well, you just heard how she said that a 12-year-old was run over and killed. And unfortunately, that proves my point. You know, they, you don't, you know, these aren't things you enjoy being right on, but you just know when right is right. I don't, I don't take any joy in hearing that a 12 year old lost their life because we're not doing this the right way because the Biden administration isn't handling the border in the right way. Because instead of only allowing a certain amount of people in that you can actually house and process day by day. The administration is just allowing allowing a nonstop flood of migrants to come in that we cannot house, that we cannot process. So basically, they're either being stuffed in a facility or it's catch and release. We catch you, but you're getting released. And instead of sending you back, we're letting you into the country, in which case you're not being checked. The El Paso mayor was concerned about Greg Abbott, which is one reason that there was no state of emergency announced earlier. Concerned that Abbott would take over and shut the border down. You know, like I said, this is this is something where it doesn't matter. Your politics don't matter anymore. This truly comes down to the safety of the people. If you voted for these fools to be in there, they are more concerned about their about their politics than they are about doing their job and taking care of the people of El Paso. The people of El Paso are the ones that are going to suffer. The migrants are the ones that are going to suffer. The politicians living like fat cats in an area that's not being impacted by the influx of people coming across the border, they don't care. (laughs) They don't care at all. It doesn't hurt them. Day to day, they don't have to go out and see it, so what do they care? You've got to be smart who you put in office. More importantly, sometimes you have to think, you know, you have to go outside of your comfort zone and not do something just because this is the way liberal Democrats do it. No. Do it because it's right. You know what's happening is wrong. Fix the problem. It doesn't matter. Fix the problem. As I would tell you, letting nobody into the United States is wrong as well. People are trying to find the American dream. But you need to get checked out. See, I wouldn't shut you down completely. I would, however, shut the border down for a limited amount of time until we could get caught up and get everything processed and get back in action and then allow only the correct amount of people to come in daily or weekly or monthly, whatever whatever count you want to go by, so that they're being processed correctly, they're being checked correctly. I don't have an issue with that. I would temporarily shut the border down. That, that would be... My idea to to basically, it doesn't solve the problem for now, but that it lets everybody at least take a breath, get caught up, figure things out, see what wasn't working, where you need more staff, reevaluate the whole situation, and then open the border back up. I don't think a 90-day temporary shutdown allowing nobody to come across and saying, sorry, we're not taking anybody for 90 days, so that way 
Law enforcement officers can get caught up. You get caught up with who's in the country. The facilities, people can get processed out of the facilities. You can get these facilities back to the capacity that they should be at. Then you open the border up and you only allow X amount in per day. Definitely a fan of that. I'm not a fan of what's happening right now. Right now, we don't even have a border. People are just mass flooding into the United States, un- unvetted, and uh, we're all going to pay the price for this in the end. Us and the migrants. All right, the next one from Breitbart. Poll taken. Four out of ten Americans believe humanity is living in the end of times. Of those surveyed, 39% express belief that humanity is living in the end times. And of those, 14% believe that Jesus will return to earth someday and the world situation will worsen until then. Survey is pretty interesting how it breaks down. Starts giving some examples because if you are a Christian and you believe that we are in the end times, the reason that you believe it is because of scripture. In the scripture, certain things will begin to happen that are indicators of us going into the end time. And there are some indicators that people are seeing these days. I have to be perfectly honest with you. No man can tell you when the end time comes. Only scripture can. And if you are a devout Christian, uh, if you are a person that has read the Bible, you have to admit there are a lot of things that the Bible speaks of that we can see in today's society. There is uh, at least enough signs to reasonably say we may not be in the middle or close to the end, but we are in the beginning of end times. Me personally, I believe it. I don't know when the world's going to end. I can't say that. I don't pretend to know. But I haven't seen things progressively get better as much as I've seen things progressively get worse. Every time we turn around, it's something more and more evil than the time before. So one does start to believe and say, well, you know, the scripture said this was going to happen. And that's the way it's supposed to happen is things are supposed to continually get worse until God calls all of his people home. And then the leftovers are left here. God no longer hears your cries and you will stay here to suffer until the end. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. There's <laughs> a lot of madness in the world. You know, it's definitely a conversation worth having. If you don't know anything about it, maybe this would be a good time for you to open a Bible and take a crack at it. Um, generally, it's Bible's a very complicated book. I mean, it's it's easy once you begin to understand it, but for somebody to just pick it up and start reading, uh, it can be a little bit trying. There's a lot in there. There's a lot of repetitiveness, and there's a lot of different stories from different views that all interconnect as one. And you have to be able to see how they all interconnect. And some of the stories are meant to teach you a lesson and you're supposed to know what you're supposed, you should know what you're supposed to be absorbing from that lesson where that generally works pretty good is if you find a solid church um, that will through preaching and reading, it will give you a better understanding of what's going on. Uh, if you were to ask me which percent of a, percentages of American I think that we are in, I definitely would agree with them that we are in the end times. However, with that being said, fear not. <laughs> as God would tell you, he wouldn't want you to be afraid. Fear comes from the devil. doesn't come from God. You should look at that as an opportunity. 
because you're still here and we're still here, which gives you that opportunity to get yourself right with the Lord, to go find the Lord and get baptized in his blood. And then from that point, live your life as a good person, following his word. And you have the same opportunity everybody has on this planet that in the end, if we happen to be in the end time, if you read Revelations, we will all just be taken by God. We will hear that horn uh, or hear the trumpet, excuse me. We will all no longer be here. The world will not know what happened to us. They can think whatever they want to think. It wouldn't matter at that point because at least we, our souls, are in the kingdom and it's not a problem for us. It's going to be a problem for the people that are left behind. They won't know what happened, um, but it's, it's going to be ugly for them. So. Uh, I found it to be interesting. It is in Breitbart. They'll give you a much more detailed breakdown percentage-wise of who believes what, how, and why. But we're getting to a tipping point where almost 50% of America truly believes that we are in the end of days. And uh, just from what I see going on, I don't disagree with them. Uh, so if you get a chance, you should definitely read the story. It's uh, it's a story worth reading. And again, Fear comes from the devil. Do not be afraid that if you think the world is coming to an end, uh, prophecy must be fulfilled. The Bible says the world will come to an end. At some point, it will. Does not mean it's happening tomorrow, although it could. Uh, but you know, you'd have to see a lot happen between today and tomorrow for that to happen because prophecy has to be fulfilled. His word has to be fulfilled. So uh, don't fear and follow God get baptized, do the right thing, and uh, you should be all right. We should all uh, be embraced in the kingdom of heaven in the end. To go from that daunting subject to Jeffrey Epstein, you know, we, we, we seem to keep, I don't know, these, the way America is designed is designed to keep your third eye blind. You're not supposed to see things. You're supposed to get so bogged down with all the stories of the day that you forget what happened not just a week, two weeks, three weeks ago, and it's designed that way. And the reason I can tell you that is if you think about a major event that happened, you're going to think about that and go, God, that was so long ago. And then when you look it up, you're like, that was only four weeks ago? Like, my God, yeah, because it's a flood. It's an overload of information. You can only process so much at a time. But Jeffrey Epstein, which no one's really talking about anymore, he hung himself, and that was a nice closed case there. We were supposed to see what happened. The Max uh, uh, Maxwell's trial was, eh. I mean, you got some out of it, but not everything you would hope to get out of it. Well, one of his victims claims to have a copy of a blackmail video of a convicted pedophile who's a wealth associate, uh, and it's been newly unsealed in emails. An alleged victim of the Epstein claim, uh, claimed that the disgraced financier recorded blackmail videos of wealthy associates, according to the newly unsealed court documents. The 2017 deposition from Epstein's victim, Sarah Ransom, was released earlier this week, igniting new questions into the allegations of sexual abuse of underage girls. Ransom's de uh, de deposition was taken for the Vir Virginia Guffrey's lawsuit filed against Grissine Maxwell. Ransom was reportedly introduced to Epstein late 2006 by one of his female associates <clears throat> who approached her at a club. Shortly after meeting Epstein, Ransom allegedly traveled to his infamous, infamous island, excuse me, um, in the U.S. Virgin, Virgin Islands. Oof, I can't speak right now. 
in one of his apartments in New York City. Ransom claimed that she had started receiving treatment from his psychiatrist. She said, Jeffrey's psychiatrist prescribed me lithium, Rattlin, and there is a bipolar prescription jug that was also prescribed to me by Epstein's psychiatrist. Ransom said that in her deposition, according to Inside Edition, I can't remember the exact name of the bipolar drug, but it's it started me off. But they started me off with lithium and rattlin. I'm skipping down a little bit in the article. This is from the Blaze. If I didn't mention that already, uh, during her six month with Epstein, Ransom claimed that. He had that the convicted pedophile would record videos of his associates having sex with his stable of women. She asserted that Epstein recorded the tapes as blackmail. The newly unsealed emails Ransom wrote when my friend had sexual intercourse with it was redacted and redacted sex tapes were in fact filmed on each occasion by by Epstein. Uh, thank God she managed to get a hold of some of the footage of the film sex tapes, which was clear, which clearly identified the faces of the two redacted people having sexual intercourse with her. The email claimed, frustrating enough, Epstein was not seen in any of the footage, but was clever enough to stay out of it. Ransom alleged in the email that her uh, friend sent her footage of the threesome act she also alleged that she backed up copies of the tape on USB sticks and kept them hidden in multiple European locations. Ransom asserted that she has told a single individual when the secret videos, where the secret videos were located in case anything happens to me before the footage was released. She proclaimed, I will be more than willing to swear under oath and testify in court, in court over these sex tapes. Ransom told the recipient of the email that the footage will break your heart into a million pieces. The Daily Wire reported it's unclear where this email, when this email was written, but it appears to have been written to New York Post reporter Maureen Callahan. Uh, in other emails of October 2016 to Callahan, Ransom claims that she had reached out to Russian authorities to publicize her story and that the U.S. government refused to help her, that her finance or fiancé's life was in danger and seemed to suggest that the CIA had hacked her emails. Ransom alleged that her friend had gone to the police but had been humiliated. She added that a redacted individual heavily, heavily intimidated her, roughed her up, Ransom also's friend said she was a thousand percent certain that the FBI did a cover up and that the redacted person had threatened to kill her if she was uh, went public with the allegations. In an email sent to Callahan on October 23, 2016, Ransom completely changed her course and said that she would like to retract everything that I had told you and walk away from this. And she ended her email by saying, I wish you the best of luck in catching Epstein and company. So what happened there? Yeah, I mean, you, you don't you don't go after somebody like that, make all these threats, and then ultimately just walk away from it unless somebody is intimidating you or you're in fear for your life and you just want it to go away. I'm sure with all the people that Epstein knew, he, he not only had deep pockets, but I'm sure he could pretty much get anybody to help him that he wants. If you have enough people blackmailed, you're going to get whatever results you want because nobody wants to be found out. The sad part is this is just a, another example of how these elitists get away with the most heinous acts in, of humanity. Yeah, I was talking to my pastor and 
he put it this way, and I agree with him because we were going back and forth a little bit talking about it. He's a super nice guy, and he's uh, um, he doesn't mind talking politics. He doesn't talk it from the pulpit, but he definitely talks politics with you one-on-one. And, uh, you know, he said what the thing is, the, the problem is that what's going on today with the drag shows, with the LGBTQ, with the, with the trans and, and with things like the Epstein case is that these elites, many of them are pedophiles and many of them live this lifestyle. So what they're trying to do to us here in the United States, they went full force thinking that they could get away with exposing their lifestyle to America and we would be accepting of it where we are not accepting of it and they're tired of living in a life that they have to hide. Because if you exploit children and pedophilia becomes normalized, then they no longer have to hide their acts. If you normalize treating women this way, you no longer have to hide these acts. Everything that we're seeing, if you normalize it, if you take, if you numb Americans to it, or if you allow it to gain at least 50% of acceptance in the United States, they can live their lives freely without persecution from all of us that knows that it's wrong. So they attempted that and what he believes, they attempted to normalize a lot of this and they really pushed forward and it kind of blew up in their face because people aren't with that. Um, I I did look over a few studies and when it comes to the sexualization of children, uh, we were in the high 80s of people in the United States completely against that. They, They would not support that and they're completely against it, which would foil their plan. So they had to pull back from what they're doing, but their long-term goal. And if you think about long-term goals, and we were, we were talking about this back and forth. um, Their long-term goal is to continue to move into that direction. And if you really look at the way things have gone, if you look at how they've manipulated us uh, in the news media, if you look how they've, they've slowly but surely manipulated us with, many different things in uh, Hollywood and for decades and decades. So it's been just such a slow moving creature, but moving in the direction that they want it to go, it does all make sense. Why is there no uh, consequences for Jeffrey Epstein? Yes, he's dead. Yes, there's nothing that can be done about him. But what about all these other associates of his? Well, we don't get any names. You know that they're high-level people. You know, um, anybody that's got a picture of Bill Clinton up in their house uh, in a blue dress, you know there's something going on there. Bill Clinton and him are hanging out and having a good old time. There's something going on there. Okay? So, you know there's a lot of people that should be paying the piper, but we're never going to get to them because in their world, this is how they are, and they're all going to protect each other. The sad part is, it seems to me, that the people that are most like this are the people that are at the top and have the power to be able to stop investigations and stop people from looking into them so they can continue to do these monstrous acts and they'll never have to pay for them ultimately in the end. My hope, it's like I told him and he would agree, my hope is that one day you know, we could put decent enough people in place that will finally start to go after these people and hold them accountable because what they are doing are unspeakable acts of evil. They have to pay a price for it. I understand they're going to pay a price in the end. I get that. You know, as a believer, I believe that I know they'll pay a price in the end. I'm talking about, I want to see them pay a price here on this 
earth, in this flesh, I want them to pay their price here. Because the victims of their heinous crime deserve to see, to, they deserve to get some type of closure from the situation. They deserve to see these people pay a penalty for what has, the, the wrong that has been done to them. So I would like to see it here. Again, I know that eventually they will pay, uh, but I would like to see them pay here before that. The Epstein case should be far from over. However, I've noticed it just keeps losing steam. There's only a few people still looking out for it and still questioning it, Uh, but it is losing steam, and it's another one of those high-profile cases that implicates a lot of high-level people and that they certainly do not want uh, to get out to the public. So it's it's being drowned out by everything else that's going on. You know, it's just it's another evil to watch. That much I can assure you. All right. Well, if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review me, especially on Apple. It's a uh, great help to me. If you like to reach out to me or check out anything else I do, littlejoecc.com. If you want to reach out to me, go to the contact section. Beyond that, have a wonderful Monday. Try to get that shopping done if you have not yet. Uh, and we will do it again tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,